Thank you for listening to BLC Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. As I get the, the, the joy of, of sharing with us this morning, and so I know we've prayed, but let's just pray again. Yeah, Father God, thank you that you, you love each one of us. Jesus, you, you paid such a, an incredible price to restore us to relationship with you. And so, Father, this, this morning, will you just come and open up each one of our hearts? Lord, come and open up my heart to, to believe what I'm saying fully, to, to change my life, God, that you'll change each one of our, our lives as we, as we grow closer to you. And so come and do a beautiful thing in each one of us this morning, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 15. Uh, this is the story of the prodigal son, as we all know it. And, uh, and so the Lord was, was giving me a, a slightly different perspective on this, uh, this story while I was actually in hospital with, with the family. It was supposed to be two nights, turned into eight nights, and just going through this. And, and yeah, I was reading a book by a, a fairly well-known actor who, who was going through a real difficult time for a number of, of years and, and mentioned the story. And so I got back into the story in a, in a fresh way and looked at it from a different perspective. And, and I felt God just opened up my eyes to, to see something from a different perspective. And I was like, oh, wow, that's me. <laughs> I need a change. This is not good. Um, and so the story, I'm sure we're all well familiar with it. And uh, it's a father who has two sons. And the one son says, basically, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Give me my share. I want to go and do whatever I want to do. I don't want to be here anymore. And so the father lovingly says, all right. And so does what he needs to do. Gives the youngest son his, uh, his inheritance and off he goes. And so it says that the young son goes off to a faraway land and he goes and squanders the money on all sorts of horrible, sinful things. Spends it all, wastes it all, until he reaches a point where there's now, uh, the economy's tough, uh, things are, are difficult with him, and he's got nothing left. Everything he had, it's gone. And so he realizes, he has this revelation as he's working on someone else's farm that even the pigs are kind of being treated better than he is. And he's like, man, if I just went back to my father's house, you know, he's got many laborers, many workers who, who are being looked after better than I am. And so I need to go back home. I need to go back and, and be with my father because even if I just become a, a, a worker, just a servant on the farm, I'll be way better um, looked after than, than my current situation. And so let's pick it up in, in verse 19, if you're with me in Luke chapter 15, and we'll, we'll read the rest. So this is the, the youngest son. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, he's, uh, but, but when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Amen. I'd like to retitle this story. It's been retitled a number of times. This is Daryl's retitling of the story. It's most commonly known as the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. I know people like Paul Manwaring have retitled the story of the extravagant father, and I think that's probably about the most accurate. But this morning, for where I want to go, I want to call it the story of the lost sons. You see, because both the sons were lost. You see, the one son, the youngest son, he wanted to take everything, all of the possession and wealth, to go and do what he wanted to do so he could have his own experience. He was just after self-gratification in the worldly sense, I just want to get whatever I can. You see, the oldest son had the same heart. He was just going about getting his way by following all the rules. He was just living a life, doing everything that his father wanted him to do. He said, I've never disobeyed you. He wanted what he wanted. He just was following a different path to get his way. <laughs> I was like, whoa, God, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Follow the rules so that I can get what I want. Jesus, help me. <laughs> How many of us are like that here where, where we, we approach the Lord, we approach Jesus, and, and it's really about what can I get? What have I got to benefit out of this relationship? I'm just going to follow the rules. I'm going to jump through all the hoops. I'm going to do everything I can so I can get all the blessings, all the favor, all the promises that I want. Because Really, the heart behind all of that is, is, is that God's there to serve our needs and, and our desires instead of us there to serve Him. And so, man, the Lord challenged me so hard on this. I was just like, wow, this is so good and so challenging and so difficult, but so good. Because it's really the story of two lost sons. I think both sons were dead. The one may be more dead than the other because he probably hadn't eaten. But in their hearts, I think there was a lack of a fulfilled life. What does the father say? 
In verse 29, he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You see, he's saying, I did everything right, but yet you didn't give me what I wanted necessarily. And the father says, you are always with me. You see, I think both sons didn't realize that the gift was the father. The father is the gift. Jesus is the gift. That's all we need. It's all we need. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And then he says, and everything I have is yours. Wow. <laughs> the story of the lost sons and the loving father. And so how many of us are found but yet still somewhat lost deep down in our heart because we're running after our, our own desire instead of running after Father's desire. Neither wanted the Father as much as they wanted his stuff. And so the question that the Lord's been asking me is, do we want Jesus or do we want his stuff? And so as I'm processing all of this and, and thinking through all of this and, and just kind of engaging with the Lord on this and repenting and saying, God, I, I don't want to live like this. I, I want you. Someone sends me a video. Oh, man. <laughs> Took out my middle stumps completely. So if we're ready, we're just going to show a minute and a half of this video. It's just... Question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any human or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? He says, let's be honest here, really, really, you could go to heaven today. Let's say today, you could go to heaven with all of your friends, all of your family. You'll never be sick again. There's no death. Everything you've ever enjoyed, the most beautiful place on the earth. But Christ wasn't there. Would you be happy? And I thought, man, so much of my life, I, I I'd have to say yes. I wasn't really in love with Jesus. I was in love with the stuff that he offered. I was in love with forgiveness. I was in love with escaping his wrath. I was in love with this thought of being with all of my friends and family in heaven. But was I truly in love with Jesus himself? Earlier this year, I, I had the honor. We can stop it there. Of, of burying my... Wow. <laughs> We can end church, let's go home now. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just such a, a challenging question at your, like, the core of who you are? If you could have all of that stuff in heaven without Jesus, would you be happy? Man, probably if I'm really honest, I'd be like, yeah, it wouldn't be perfect, but I would take that. Um, oh, Jesus, no. I want you. I want you. And so I think our, our society, our culture has become so fixated on the stuff that we can get, like kind of consumer Christianity. 
come to church so that we can have a, gr- a great little sermon, an encouraging message with good music and nice singing and, uh, you know, make me feel good about myself because I put some money in the bucket and, um, you know, I, I, I smile at people, or whatever it is, and, and, and we just go home feeling, feeling good about ourselves. But really at the heart of the Christian faith is, is deep, found, loving, intimate relationship with Jesus, with God. And, and God's been just pushing my buttons about rekindling the relationship and not getting caught up just doing all the stuff for him. Even if it's, you know, going to Baragwanath, going and ministering to people, praying for people, we can even get caught up in doing the stuff that Jesus wants us to do and, and lose sight of, of him. And he's been saying this to me and I felt he wanted, wanted to encourage all of us, let's, let's reignite our, our passion for him. Um, in a whole new way and uh, reminded of, I think it was Patrick Jerry uh, who, who said this to me once. He said, you know, in the kingdom of God, there's, there's no stationary position. You're either moving backwards or you're moving forwards in the Lord. There's no, there's no standing still. It might have even been Uncle Derek who, who Patrick got that from. I don't know, but it's good wherever it comes from. And so, Lord, may our hearts and may our our lives be lives that are moving forward in you, going from glory to glory, where we're just growing in deeper levels of intimacy with you every day, because that's why he paid the ultimate price on the cross, so that we could have this, this deep, intimate fellowship with him. And some of us are like the older brother, and we've got access to the Father every day. We've got access to Jesus every day, but yet we're, we're running after the stuff instead of just being with the Father. And so, man, I, my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we will run after Jesus and intimacy with Him. Amen. There's stuff that comes with it. <laughs> there totally is. But let's let that be the, the, the tag along stuff, not the primary stuff. The, the Lord then took me to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. This is the story of the rich young ruler. Welcome to read with me, otherwise I'm gonna read it to us. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. 
Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Wow, another challenging story in the scriptures. Doesn't the scripture just challenge you? I loved how Uncle Des said a couple of weeks ago, we need to read the scripture, but we need to let the scripture read us. It's like, you know, we need to speak to us. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your life? Uh, where are you with the, with the Lord? Let the scripture read you. What's, what's going on? So a couple things in, in this, this passage. When this guy comes, he falls down on his knees at, at Jesus' feet. He, he, he takes this position of worship before, before Jesus cries out to him. He's clearly a, a, a devout Jew at the time. And, and he's saying, what do I have to do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you've got to follow the Lord, do all these things. And he says, all these things I've done. But Jesus knew that there was one thing that he hadn't done. And, and, and so Jesus cuts straight to the heart. He goes straight to the issue, the one thing that would prevent this man from fully following Jesus, from fully uh, being devoted to him, from having a life completely abandoned to anything other than Jesus. And he, he, he points out that thing. And he says, one thing you lack is, is that. And so I wonder this morning if, if the Lord is, is pointing out something in, in your heart, in your life, something that's perhaps a, a God in your life that's become bigger than, than Jesus, a love of something that's become greater than your love for him. And, and he's saying, that thing, that thing needs to go. And, and so the, the analogy that, that Jesus uses in the story is that a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And so the, the context was in, in their environment, and a camel was the biggest animal that, that they'd seen. They didn't have airplanes back then, and so they hadn't come to Africa. They didn't know about elephants down here, and they didn't know about the whales necessarily. Just joking. But, um, but so, yeah, camels were, were the biggest animal that they had, and uh, a needle was the smallest, like, hole that they would have had as a household thing. And so, and, and so Jesus is taking this, this story where he's taking the biggest thing you could possibly think of through the smallest hole, an impossible and so he's saying, with man, it's impossible to save yourself. Follow the Lord's impossible. You can't do it. There's no way that any one of us can save ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. And so, so Jesus is saying that, that, that God has made a way for this to happen. What, what seems impossible, what seems impossible for, for the rich to get saved, God has made a way. You know, most of us in the room here are probably rich. If you own a vehicle, you're You're rich. Uh, somewhere between 7 to 15% of the world population, it's a bit of a vague stat, but, but somewhere in that region, 7 to 15% um, own a vehicle. And so if you own a vehicle, you're in the top 7 to 15% wealthy in the world probably. Um, and so most of us would be considered rich probably according to the story. And the, the scripture is saying it's, it's like impossible, it's so difficult for, for rich to, to, to be saved, to have eternal life. But God is saying with him, all things are possible because he made a way. And so I love this moment where, where, where Jesus has this guy kneeling at his feet, basically begging, pleading, God, how? How is this possible? And God doesn't 
tell him how useless he is because he's got all this money and he loves all of his possessions. He doesn't give him a, a public rebuke or anything. The scripture says, Jesus looks at him and loves him. Wow. I mean, just imagine that moment. I, I just try to picture it in my mind. What did that look like? Jesus looking at this man and loving him. I mean, how does the scripture even tell from the, the look he gave him that he was loving him? It must have been so clear that everyone knew that Jesus was loving this man in this moment. And so it's from this place of Jesus looking at this man and, and loving him. I mean, I wonder, was Jesus thinking, I'm gonna go to the cross because I love you. I'm gonna lay down my life because I love you. I don't know what was going through, through God's mind, through Jesus' mind in that moment. But I know that he looked at that man and he loved him. And from that place of, of deep, incredible love, he then challenges the one thing that prevents that man from receiving the fullness of Christ's love for him. You see, because it's not just about us living this perfect life that we, we're these you know, amazing, perfect Christians that all we do is just follow after Jesus. Of course, that's good. But you see, when we're in that place, that's when we receive his love the most, when there's nothing in the way preventing us from receiving his love. And so I think in this story, Jesus' heart to this, this man is, I want you to receive the fullness of me and of my love for you. And so I want to remove the one obstacle that could prevent you from receiving the fullness of the love that I have for you. And so this morning, maybe the Lord is, is pointing out something in your heart. And he's not, he's not saying, you are useless, you are bad, you are terrible, look at all this stuff in your life. No, he's looking at you with love. I mean, I just imagine his eyes burning almost with love, just the purity, the clearness of his eyes as he, as he looks at this man and as he looks at you this morning and says, man, I love you so much. And that one thing or those few things that are in the way of you receiving the fullness of my love, Come on, let's, let's remove that obstacle. Let's take that away so that then you can come follow me. I think we've, we've somehow, I mean, when Jesus was walking on the earth just over 2,000 years ago, it was kind of easy for the disciples in the sense that they, they just left everything and they followed him. There was no other option. And, and we in our Western culture have kind of got things all muddled up where no, it's okay to follow him and have these other things and all these add-ons. And, and so we kind of get this, this faith where we, we take aspects that we like, but the challenging, difficult parts that we don't like, we just kind of like, I'm just gonna pretend I don't like those. I'm just gonna carry on my way and just me and Jesus is all good. <laughs> but I think what he's asking of, of, of all of us is complete abandonment to him. Man, does he want us to have joy? Of course he does, but there's no greater joy than the joy of deep, intimate fellowship with him. There's nothing greater. Now, Matthew chapter 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think it's talking about anything, really, cannot serve God and any other thing. Uh, it's God and God alone. 
And why would God challenge us with these things? Why would he challenge me with this? Why would he encourage me to stir and challenge us with, with this, this morning? It's because he wants relationship with us. He wants deep, intimate fellowship with us. It's the reason Jesus went to the cross. It's the reason Father sent his son is because he just wants such deep fellowship with us. It's the reason. I wonder if the band can come back up. We're gonna respond to the Lord now shortly. You know, there's this amazing book that John's been, been preaching on for best part of this year, the book of Colossians. <laughs> Some really, really good stuff in there for us. But you know, in the book of Revelation, the Lord writes to the different churches and the one church that he writes to, the last church, is the church of Laodicea. And Laodicea is a region that was just down the road, not too far from Colossae. Church of, the book of Colossians written to the church in Colossae. And if you actually read at the end of Colossians chapter four, it says, read this letter to the church of Laodicea as well. And so just wanted to bring Colossians into the sermon in case you felt like this isn't church. But so in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, as the Lord is addressing the church in Laodicea, he says, you say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. See, it was a wealthy region. It was much like Joyberg. They had lots of possessions. And so because of that, they're like, we don't need God. We're good. We got everything we need. We got roads. We got infrastructure. We got water, electricity. We got jobs. We got money. We got food. We got friends. We got TV. We got super sport. We got you know, World Cups and lots of stuff to entertain us. We've got theaters, we've got movie houses, we've got malls, we've got fancy cars. When you name it, we've got it. Uh, and so the church back there was the, the same. And he says, you say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are rich, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And he goes on to say some other things. He's basically talking about being lukewarm and there was a, a, a river that was in the region and it had some hot springs. And so because of the hot springs, the, the temperature of the, that river was like lukewarm. And so that's the reference that it's giving. It's not cold, freshing water. It's not boiling hot water because cold water and hot water have really good function and purpose. But lukewarm water is like, Pah. Ah. it's just, you know, there's nothing really great about it. He's saying, you just don't be peh. That's what he's saying, don't be peh. In verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I was like, oh God, that's why you're doing this to me, because you love me. So be earnest and repent. And then he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And so God is there knocking on our doors, saying, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And there's no obstacle that's too big. Isn't church a funny place? <laughs> Let's talk about the elephant. <laughs> and all we have to do is just say, God, I bring these things before you. God, will you come and remove these things? It's impossible for me to do this. A camel can't fit through the eye of a needle. Can't. But God, with you, it's possible. God, your grace is possible. 
to, to help this thing, this obstacle that's in my life be crucified with you so that I can be fully abandoned in loving you, so that I can grow in just such deep, deep intimacy with you. God, I don't wanna be the older brother who goes about following all the rules and doing all the right things just so I can get what I want. God, while we're here on earth and when we're with you in eternity, at all times, may we be so deeply in love with you. May we be so aware of you. May we be so aware of your love for us and our love for you. And so I think Jesus looks at us this morning and he asks, what is it that might be an obstacle for you? If there's nothing, then praise God. I'm so glad that there's nothing. But if there is, it's so simple. Let's just repent. Let's just take it to, to God and say, God, this thing, I've let it become greater in my heart than my love for you. And I don't want this like that anymore. I want to turn from this thing. I want to change my life. And I, I don't want to follow you wholeheartedly because that's, that's what we're made for. We're made to just have this deep, intimate fellowship with Him. So I wonder if we can stand. There's a beautiful song that I think we're going to sing to the Lord this morning as a response to Him. And as we're singing, I want to encourage you that anything that you feel is a hindrance in your heart, that you hold that before Him and you say, God, come and remove this thing from my life. Because God, I want you to be the center. Jesus, I want you to be the center of everything that I do. And so we're gonna sing this song and, and then we're, we're gonna, after that, come and have communion together as we just enjoy the fellowship and the, the covenant meal. Celebrate everything he did for us. So can we sing, Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus at the center of 